Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Hey, welcome. We're so glad uh, that you are here. Uh, I want to celebrate a little bit before we dive into today's message. We have a podcast now. I uh, hear Transforming Life Church, so if you miss a week or, or uh, you know, you're sick or whatever happens, then you can go online throughout the week and uh, you'll be able to listen to the sermons on there. It's not the music, it's just the, just the sermons. It's on iTunes, but if you're one of those, it's like, you know, forget Apple, I don't do Apple, you know. It's on something called SoundCloud, so you can download that app and, uh, and go onto SoundCloud. You don't have to have an account to listen on there. You just search the church in SoundCloud or in iTunes. And, uh, and you'll see the podcast uh, there. So um, if we get a little bit behind, be patient with us. It'll be on at some point throughout the week. Uh, but uh, but if you miss that, or if you want to invite someone uh, to church, but they're kind of like, I don't know about church or whatever, you can just say, hey, why don't you go and, and listen to the sermons and see what you think about that. So it's a great kind of witnessing tool uh, for people uh, as well. In fact, uh, most people will say that guests have already visited your church online before they've ever come into the doors at least a couple times. And so that's just the, the day we're living in uh, today in the, in the digital world. So go check that out if you have time. Go, go rate and review it. Um, now, I, I always want you guys to be honest, but, you know, give it a good, a good rating and review on there so that we can, uh, so we can get people uh, sent to that and, uh, and get people checking that out. Hey, this is part three today uh, of a message that we've been in called Thrive. Uh, and it's all to set us up for, for this year and moving forward and what God wants to do here in our church. Because we've been in survival mode for a while now. And it's time to thrive and it's time to push into what God would have for us. Uh, we've talked about a couple of different things. But we're challenging all of us, this church, to serve more, give more, and share more. And so we've talked about a few of those things uh, over the past couple of weeks. And today we're going to talk about sharing your story and being a lifesaver. And today's title of the message is Lifesaver. Hey, when I was a kid, we used to go on vacation and we would always go to the beach. And we would go every summer. We had that one, uh, that one place that we would always stay at. And I remember one particular year, vaguely, I, I don't remember how old I was or, or a ton of details about that. All I remember is, is there was this moment where uh, I was out in the water and I was swimming and, and, and a wave kind of came across. And, and you know, you always try to like you know, body surf and those things, you know, and you try to ride the wave a little bit. Well, I got caught in the undertow. I got, I got caught up under the water and I, I couldn't get out. The current was just too strong and I, and I couldn't get out. And, and, and you can think that's a scary moment. You're, you're like, you're freaking out. And, and I know people have near-death experiences and they say your life flashes before your eyes. Well, I don't remember any of that. All I remember is just being scared and, uh, and afraid of, you know, is this it? Am I done? You know, and, uh, and as a kid, that's, that's super, super scary. Listen, in, in life, in life, there's some scary moments that we face, right? There's moments in our life where we face where, where it literally feels like we're drowning. There's moments in our life where we feel like the waves of life are crashing over us and, 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 and it's, it's wearing on us and we don't know what to do. And, and it can be scary sometimes in those moments. It feels like we're getting swept under and, 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 and can't get out of it, right? We feel stuck at times. There's a story in the Bible that I want us to go to today. It's in the book of John. So if you have your Bible out, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. There's a, a story about a crippled man who was crippled most 
of his life. We don't know a lot of the details about that. We don't know why it is that he was crippled. We just know that, that he was crippled and that he couldn't uh, get up and walk around on his own. He, he was stuck in a situation for a very long time. He, he was, you can imagine, not just crippled physically, but it probably took a toll on his emotions, on his, on his mind, on his social life, just every part of who he was. You can imagine that that affected him in all these different ways. And, and this story here in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, we're going to read it together. Here we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheik Gate, a pool, which is Aramaic. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, excuse me, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, don't you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day once again. God, we thank you for your word. I pray that it would stir us, that it would challenge us. God, it would change us. Lord, let us, let us never come into this place staying the same, God. But, but let this stir us to do something and to do something for you, God. So move in this place. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys ready? You guys good out there? Everybody's Okay, good. I'm just making sure. I got to check in with you. From time to time. So, so here's a few things going on in this story. So obviously we have this crippled man. He's been crippled for, for many years. Again, we don't know why that is. But, but he's not able to, to move around and walk. There's some other sick people that are around uh, this area. And, and they're at this pool. This pool was said to have had miracle powers in it. It was said that, that there was an angel that would come down from time to time and would stir the water. And when that water was stirred, that they, were, they were saying that the sick could jump in there at that time and, and be healed. This was known as a mikvah or, or a Jewish ceremonial cleansing bath. All right, and then you have Jesus, right? Jesus walks up on the scene. He sees this guy. He, he can tell there's something going on. There's an issue. And he asks this question, right? He says, he doesn't come up and just get to know him. Hey, man, you know, how's it going? Yeah, I see. I see you're, you're having some trouble there. You know, he just gets right to it. Don't you want to be made well? Don't you want to be made whole? Aren't you tired of, of the same old thing? Don't you want something better for yourself, for your life? See, see, this man, you can imagine, spent most of his time sitting here, right? Sitting, waiting, and wishing and hoping things would get better. He was hoping someone could come along and, and help him out and, and, and be there for him. What he didn't realize is that he needed Jesus. And, and Jesus comes right up. He gets right to it. Don't you want to be made well? And then the man does what many of us often do, and he makes excuses. See, see, what had happened was, was you know, people kind of keep getting in front of me and, and I don't have a chance to get up in the, in the pool. You know, for, for many of us, it's, well, you know, uh, I grew up without a dad and I don't know why I do what I do, but, but you know, I blame, it, I blame it on him, right? Or, or, or whatever your situation may be, you know. Uh, my, my wife left me and, and she was just being, uh, she was being super uh, just controlling and judgmental, but the truth is, 
the person was just being a jerk and, and couldn't get things together, right? There, there's so many things that we can make excuses for and we miss out. We miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we're so caught up in our issues and, and blaming it on everybody else. But Jesus didn't say this. He, he doesn't come in and, and do anything. He comes in and just gets right to it. He sees that some, this man is desperate. And we don't know whether this pool was a myth, whether people truly got healed. Maybe it was a psychological thing. Because here's the deal. Desperate people will do desperate things. They will reach out and, and try to, to reach out to anything that they think can help them in their situation and feel better. That's why I get confused why people don't want to accept Jesus. Why, why is it so crazy that, that Jesus could come into your life and give you a better life and change your life and do something in you? I don't, I don't quite get that. That's just my own soapbox. Maybe it is for you too. But Jesus comes in, tells the man, get up and walk. And the man is instantly healed. This man gets his life back. This man gets his freedom. This man gets what he's been looking for for so, so long. He finds meaning now. He finds purpose. He, he finds hope. Because that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? I don't know if you know the Jesus I know, but the Jesus I know is a way maker. When there didn't seem to be a way, he made a way. I don't know if you know the Jesus that I know. He's a hope dealer. When things seem like all is lost and, 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 and there's just nothing that can happen, Jesus comes in and he brings hope. I don't know if you know the same Jesus that I know. Jesus comes in, changes this man's life. It's never the same. He was stuck. He was stuck in a, in a place. He was stuck in a situation and, and, and couldn't get out of it. And the only person that came along and helped him was, was Jesus. For many of us, we're the crippled man. Or at one point, we were the crippled man. We're broken, confused, not having a idea what we're going to be doing or what, what to do. And Jesus, for many of us, came in and said, don't you want to be made well? Don't you want to be made whole? Here's the life that I have for you. This is what I can offer you. Won't you get up and walk? Won't you get up out of, out of your depression? Won't you, won't you get up out of your anxiety? Won't you get up out of your sickness? Won't you, won't you get up out of your brokenness? Because now is the time for your freedom. So Jesus comes into our life, he changes our life, but, but listen, the story doesn't end there, does it? Because we'd be missing out if we just closed it off right there. Jesus come and save my life, woohoo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. There's so much more to it, because there's a second part of the thing. God now wants to use you, and what he's done in your life, he wants you to share your story with someone else who's going through the same things that you went through. You have an opportunity in your life every single day because you see people every single day. You have an opportunity to be a lifesaver. You have an opportunity, just like in the video we shared, to take Jesus and, and, and throw the rope to them. Because they're in a hole, they're in a mess, they're in a situation, and you have an opportunity to throw out the rope to them. It just doesn't end with you getting your stuff fixed and your life straightened out. There's more to it. There's more to it. Now you are to be Jesus to other people. So I want to encourage you today as we, we walk through this together to share your story. Be a lifesaver to someone else. If you fast forward from this miracle that Jesus does, there's other miracles, there's other things that, that he does. He lives for a few more years and, and then 
He goes on to be accused, arrested, abused, mocked, beaten, bruised, put on a cross to die for you and for me. He was put up there on a Friday, but Sunday was coming. Come on, somebody. And he rose again from the grave. They rolled the stone away. He wasn't there anymore. And then we see him appear to the disciples some more times. And before he leaves and ascends to heaven, he tells the disciples, listen, I want you to go and I want you to wait. I want you to seek and pray and worship. And I want you to wait because I'm going to send you the comforter. He's going to send them the Holy Spirit. So there's this moment where the disciples do just what he said. They're gathered together in an upper room and they're seeking God and waiting for the Holy Spirit. And boy, does it show up. The Holy Spirit moves. It falls down like fire on them. They are baptized filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the church is born out of this. The church as we know it today is born out of this moment. It says that there were people out in the town and they were listening and they heard the, these, they knew who these men were and, and they heard them speaking in another, in other languages. They heard them speaking in their own native languages and they're like, what is going on? These people are crazy. They must be drunk. What is the deal here? And then Peter, the same Peter who denied that he knew Jesus, steps up in boldness, full of the Holy Spirit, and comes out and he preaches Jesus' resurrection and crucifixion. He, he's very bold and says, listen, you're the ones that killed Jesus, but now he wants you to experience life through him. And 3,000 people get saved in that one moment. See, Jesus was no longer with them, but now he has, now they have their, their, his spirit with them. And now they're able to take the reins. Jesus said that, that they would do even greater things that he did. It's the same for us today. That same Holy Spirit that filled those men and, and women in that upper room is the same Holy Spirit that wants to, to come into your life and fill your life and empower you. So now that we can go out, declare God's word, declare God's goodness. And see people saved, set free, changed, delivered. Anywhere you see God move in the Bible, it's through men. And God wants to still do that today. He wants to do that through each and every single one of you. Are you ready to be a lifesaver to someone? Come on, you guys have a sphere of influence around each and every one of you. You guys got different friends than the next person. You guys have different neighbors than, than the next person. You, you have your own world that you can reach. Let's be lifesavers in our world. See, the disciples then start this movement. It didn't just stop there with those, those 3,000 people in that town. They go on and they start going around and they start sharing Jesus with others. And it says that more people came. They, they grew in number. They grew in number. They grew rapidly. This movement began. They started seeing healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And God was moving in a crazy, crazy way. This is how the church was birthed. So, so how do we do that? How, how, you know, the disciples were telling their story. So how do you tell your story? How do you tell what Jesus has done in your life? How do you tell how, how God has moved in your life? Well, I'm going to walk you through it. The first thing is this. Seek God first. We have to start there. Look at Acts 1.8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and Sefner and Dover and Plant City and Durant and all this area, right? And the uttermost parts of the earth. See, they sought God before doing ministry. We tend to do the opposite sometimes. We tend to seek God after ministry fails. We tend to jump into an idea 
or a concept or, hey, let's just do something different. And we jump into that and then we ask God to bless it. And then when it doesn't work, then we get upset with God and wonder, God, what, what's going on here? We, we get it backwards so many times. We get it backwards just in general. I, I mean, how many of us have just jumped out and bought a car without even praying and considering what God would want us to do in, in that moment? We just get it backward in our life altogether. We have got to seek God first, put him first in our life. So, so they sought God. Listen, we, we, we cannot do successful ministry apart from God's power. We, we, we cannot... We cannot do anything really apart from God's power. We can't do this thing right apart from God's power. See, without God's empowerment, without God's power and presence, worship becomes a concert. Without God's power and presence, preaching becomes motivational speaking. We need the power and presence of God. We have to seek it first. Listen, I've been on, on some mission, uh, mission trips uh, over the years, and there was this one particular mission trip a few years ago. We went to um, Nicaragua, Hinatega, Nicaragua. This beautiful city. It was in like, this kind of like bowl. There, there was mountains all around it, and they were in this little valley. And this beautiful little city. And we were helping out a local church there in that area. So we did it, uh, kids ministry there. We did revival services at night. We, we'd, uh, I got to go in and speak in the local schools there. They actually let us come in, and I got to do assemblies. Uh, uh, in the school, it was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but in between all that stuff, we got to do street ministry. So we would walk around and we would take balloons and we'd do balloon animals and we'd make swords and, and all kinds of cool little things. And, and in fact, I almost lost my life because uh, I'm pumping up the balloons and all of a sudden the sort of kids just hits me. Everybody else kind of walks on and that thought was funny. Um, but, but I got bombarded by all these kids and I'm like, Dude, I don't know what to do. Blowing up balloons, right? And we're passing out candy. The dulce. You know, we were passing out the candy for the kids. And, and the kids are just coming all around. But we would walk around doing that. And if we saw someone limping, we would ask them, hey, you want prayer? No one turned us down. We went to a house where we were, we were passing out. There were kids at the house. We were passing out stuff. If we saw that they were sick or heard that they were sick, we, we'd ask them, can we pray? <coughs> and, and, and it got me thinking after the mission trip. Usually a mission trip, you go in with an expectancy. You know you're going on this mission trip and God's going to move and it's going to be something incredible and, and amazing. But, but why is it just for that mission trip? Why, why is it just when we go out of a country and we know we're going to do that? Because every day should be like that. You have an opportunity to be a missionary at your job, at your school, um, at the grocery store, in Bells, uh, at Ross, wherever that you go. You have an opportunity to be a missionary and to live in that expectancy of, man, God wants to use me to share my story, to pray for people, to, to reach out and be a lifesaver to those who need Him. Why do we just have that expectancy? Why do we just have the expectancy when we walk in the doors of the church? Why do we just have that expectancy if we do something like a, a, an event or, or a mission trip? We should have that expectancy every day. But we have to seek God first. He wants to move with you right where you are. But we have to seek Him first. Number two, to be a lifesaver, we have to realize that we, you, are a mouthpiece of God. God wants to speak through you into someone's life. You are a mouthpiece. You don't have to be a pastor in vocational ministry. You don't have to be a missionary or, or, or have, feel like you have to have that calling. You're a pastor wherever you are. You may not be in a pulpit, but the water cooler at work is your pulpit. 
The, the, the office cubicle that, that maybe you sit in. That's your pulpit. Young people, your table at the, at the lunch. Uh, at school is, is your pulpit. You're the pastor wherever that you go. If you believe in Jesus, if Jesus has come in, save you, set you free, you can be a pastor wherever that you go. You don't have to be in vocational ministry. God wants to use you like he did Moses to go out and, and rescue the Israelites from Egypt. God wants to use you like he used the prophets back in the Old Testament. God wants to use you in that same way. We talked a few weeks ago how God has an anointing just for you. God wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. You are God's mouthpiece. I mentioned Peter a few minutes ago. In Acts chapter 2, Peter steps up and, and he speaks to the crowd. He, he's, he's the mouthpiece of God to those people. But if we're going to do that, we have to be prepared to answer questions. Especially in the day that we live in where, where, where atheism is so big and there's all, all types of other beliefs and, and religions. We have to be prepared to, to have answers to questions and have good answers. You'd be surprised how many Christians don't know what they believe or why they believe it. Yes, I believe in faith. You absolutely should have faith. The Bible tells us to do that. But, but do you know why? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The idea that you can just simply share Jesus by your lifestyle is only a part of the piece of the puzzle, right? Yes, your lifestyle and how you live is absolutely important. Yes, you should operate in the fruits of the Spirit. But sometimes we need to open our mouth and, and, and speak and declare the truth of the Lord and, and declare the goodness of God. It's going to take us speaking up and opening up our mouth. Do you have power when you speak? The Bible tells us that. The, the tongue, it, it, it's powerful. It can bring life or death into someone's life. Uh, out of your mouth comes blessings and cursing, right? You have power, and if you're operating in the Holy Spirit, you're operating in the authority that we have through Jesus Christ, you have incredible power to speak, change the atmosphere wherever you are, to change someone's life, to bring encouragement, to bring Jesus. You are the mouthpiece of God. He wants to use you. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. It'd be a great idea if we could just walk around and, and people saw, oh, wow, something's different about that person. Oh, oh wow, they're, they're so kind, they're so, so nice. But, but what if we actually spoke and testified and witnessed of who God is and what he's done in your life? God wants us to open our mouth. You are a mouthpiece of God. Number three, lead people to repentance. Lead people to Repentance. I know this is a churchy word and, and, and sometimes we use this uh, Christianese that people don't understand, but we have to lead people to that. Uh, the, the church misses the repentance aspect of things sometimes. It's crucial. It's crucial. We have to lead people to repentance. That's great if someone repeats the sinner's prayer, Jesus come into my life. Jesus, I've sinned. Can you forgive me? Come into my life. But there has to be repentance following after that. I, I, I posted a quote on Instagram, uh, I believe it was last week or earlier in this week, and it said, if, if the Jesus you are following isn't bringing transformation in your life, you're following the wrong Jesus. Amen. There should be transformation happening. If you are following Jesus, 
you're seeking Him, if you're spending quiet time with Him, if you're reading your Bible, those very basic things that we're taught when we're kids in Sunday school, if you're doing those things, it should lead us to transformation. Yes, it's a process. Yeah, we're not going to get it just right away. But it should be, should be happening. We have to lead people. That It has to happen inside of us, and then we have to lead people to that. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Are you just bringing people to church? Are you just inviting them to church? Are you just talking about the blessings of God? We, we have to lead them to repentance. We can't just take them halfway, drop them off at the church doors and just hope that they get it. We have to lead them. That's a process that takes getting to know people and, and it takes spending time with them and, and hanging out with them, hearing their story. You, you, earn, you earn the right to speak into people's lives. You earn the right to speak into their life by, by spending time with them. And, and getting to, don't be the megaphone guy on the corner of the street yelling at people, repent, you're going to hell. You know, don't, don't be that. Nobody listens to that guy. There is absolute truth in that. But there's no grace. Yes, we need to repent. Yes, if we don't, if we don't get this thing right now, yes, there is an eternity away from God. But don't be that guy. Nobody listens to that. Nobody likes that guy. <laughs> get, get into people's lives. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Earn a right to speak into life and then lead them. Lead them to repentance. Make sense? Clear as mud, right? Listen, are you a missionary or a tourist? A tourist just watches and smiles, gets a photo. A missionary gets involved. Missionary gets involved. This kind of leads into number four. Disciple your people by spending time with them. You know, I know oftentimes we think of discipleship as a class, a Bible study, or, or Sunday school, and those things are great. But sometimes the best discipleship is when you're doing life with someone. When, 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 when you're, you're, you're building community with someone and you're, you're spending time with them and you're investing in them and you're pouring. But many of us don't like to do that because that takes time. It takes time to do that. The, the, the best discipleship I've ever done in youth ministry was if I had a project at the church calling up a kid and be like, hey, you, you want to come help me out? I got to paint this thing. Can you? And just sitting there and us, us hanging out, shooting the breeze, doing our work. But then, but then there's opportunities where I can just speak into their life. I've often heard that the discipleship is, is done best in, in circles instead of rows. You know, this is great. You're going to get an encouraging word when you come in here. But man, when we do life with people, it means so much more. So disciple people by spending time with them. Have dinner and coffee with people and not just church people. Invite some unsaved people into your life. We live in our Christian bubble so often because we don't want to be tempted or we don't want to fall into to other things. But man, who's going to reach those people, right? You, you have a neighbor. In this day and age, we don't know our neighbors like we used to back in the day. So, so get to know your neighbors. Invite them over. Have dinner with them and, 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 and lead them in that way. Be a missionary to them. Listen, your home is a church. Your home is in church. In fact, 1,800 years ago, your house looked more like a church than our church does here. Because that's where the early church started. They didn't start in these big auditoriums with the, the lights and, and all this stuff. Not that this, thing, this is good, but, 
But they met in houses and they came together and they fellowshiped and they, they spent time with one another. There, there's an opportunity coming up for you to turn your house into a church. There's this big sporting event. It's just a few weeks away. It's called the Super Bowl, right? This is an opportunity for you to invite people to your house. Un, un, unchurched people, not saved, invite them to your house. And then at the beginning of the night, before you have food, say a blessing and have a time of devotion. Just something real quick. It doesn't have to be super theological or, 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 or anything crazy, these and thous and all the King James Version. Like, it could just be something super simple. Just share your story. Share your testimony. Hey, listen. I was going this way and, and man, God changed my life and he can do the same for you and, and have, have a moment where people can accept Jesus. It doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it, but that's an opportunity that you guys can use. You know, next Saturday we're having a men's event at my house where I'm going to cook out. I'm going to play a little bit of cornhole and I'm just going to, I'm going to warn you, I'm pretty good. Not that saying much because it's just a beanbag thrown out of board, but hey, I'll take what I can. But there's an opportunity, guys. You can invite a coworker. You can invite a coworker. You can invite a neighbor. Someone that you know needs to come in and hang out with some guys, some godly men, right? There's so many ways that we can invite people. Turn our house into a church. Disciple people by spending time. And number five, serve people. And I'm not going to harp on this too much because we spent all of last week talking about this. But serve people. Acts 2.45 says that they serve one another. They sold property. This is the early church. They sold property and possessions to give to one another as they had need. This was the church coming together in community and family and they took care of each other's needs and they took care of other people and they gave to the poor and they, they made sure that they were taking care of people. They were Jesus with skin on. And they served. And they served people. Listen, it's often been said that saved people serve people. We have to learn to serve others. Last week we came up with a saying, with a slogan. You guys ready? What is it? See a need? Okay, some of you are on board. See a need? Alright, this is our thing, right? If we see someone in need, serve them. Come alongside them. Help them out. Be Jesus to them. Number six, enter your culture. Enter your culture. Acts 3.1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. They had their own agenda. They were fixing to walk in for prayer. And, and this, this crippled man is there at the gate. And they, and they pray for him and he's healed, right? You have to understand the people that are around. You have to understand the culture. Missionaries, when they go on the mission field, they understand the culture of the people that they're trying to reach. They learn their language. They, they, they learn what, what the, the customs and, and things are. They, 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 they learn how to relate eternal truths in an understandable way. Even, even in our world, sometimes, I, again, I told you, we, we speak Christianese and we use, we use words that, that people really don't understand because we only use them in the church. I, I remember my wife telling me when, when she was kind of first getting into church and, and there was a song, These Are the Days of Elijah. You guys remember that song, right? The dry bones becoming his flesh. If someone doesn't know what that means and they come in for the first time, that sounds really weird. Why are they singing about that, right? Even think of things like communion, right? Now, I'm not being blasphemous here, but, but think about it. If someone new comes in, they don't know what it is. They've never been to church, and they come in, and we're talking about, here's the body of Christ. Here's the blood. Let's drink it and praise God for it. Like, that sounds really strange. If people are, are, are getting filled with the Spirit, which is a great thing, and they're speaking in tongues and stuff like that, to the people who don't know any, but that sounds strange, right? So we have to learn to enter our culture and relate all this to them. 
Your career is, is, is an open door for ministry. What's the culture? What's, how, how, how can you relate who God is at your job and the atmosphere that is in your workplace? How can you enter into culture? It's all a matter of, of what we're going to talk about here in number seven is having a missional mindset. Having a missional mindset. The, the, the guys here, the disciples um, here in Acts 3 that I just quoted, they see a lame man and they perceive that God wants to do something. Are, are you sensitive to what God wants to do? Are you, are you sensitive that, that, that God wants to do something in you and through you wherever that you go? Look for opportunities to do that. They are purposely sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They are looking for opportunities to be used by God. So what you need to do is look for and anticipate those moments for God to use you. And he will. Number eight, pray boldly. Pray boldly. Acts 3, 6 through 10. They tell the layman to get up and walk. They didn't beat around the bush. They said, man, get up and walk. And he was healed. You're not just working for God. You're working with God. I mean, I, I just, it's so incredible that he would even choose me. That he, would, he would choose us to be a part of his plan and his story. So pray bold, audacious, faith-filled prayers. They didn't care what the people thought about them. In fact, they got in trouble. They, they got brought before all the religious tithes. They got arrested. And they told them not to preach anymore about Jesus. And they said, we can't do that. And they go back. They go back to their people. They go back to the church and they tell them everything that happened. And it says that they begin to pray and they begin to worship and God filled them all over again with the power. It says that the room shook where they were at because they prayed for God to give them boldness to declare his word and that his wonders and signs would continue. Pray bold, audacious prayers, even in the midst of persecution, even when people may think it's crazy or weird. We have to care more about what God thinks than what people think. Be spiritually alert. And responsive when doors of ministry open around you. Wherever you go, God is already there first. God is already there. He's just waiting to use you in moments. Look for ways he's already softening hearts and creating opportunities for you to minister in his name. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Don't feel like you have to have it all together. Don't, don't feel like you have to, to have all the education. You, you don't have to... Feel like you have to go to cemetery. I mean, seminary, and, and and don't feel like that you 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 have to have this degree or, or anything like that, right? Education is important. Yes, you you should be knowledgeable of what you believe. But don't feel like you have to to be in a certain place because if you're waiting, you're going to always be waiting. God wants to use you now. God wants to use you now. The disciples, they were untrained, ordinary men. God used them in an incredible way and brought revival through them. Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That was the key. That was what stood out to them is that they had been with Jesus. Are you full of passion? Are you full of passion? Because education is great, but are you full of passion. There's, there's information all around us. It's at our fingertips, on our phones. It's, it, it, it's everywhere. You can get information everywhere, but what we need more of is passion. Information is found in classroom. Passion is found in the presence of the Lord. I, I, information is found in books, but passion is found in prayer. Ask God to give you a heart for people. If God has saved you, that should be it right there. 
God saved you. He wants to use you to be a lifesaver to others. Ask God to give you a heart for people. And we got to be thinking like a missionary. We have to lead people. We have to pray. Maybe today you need your passion restored. Maybe today you just need to be awakened to everything that God wants to do in you and through you. Maybe today you just need that stuff stirred up inside of you all over again. Listen, we want to grow. I got to be honest with you. I've been here six weeks now. I haven't seen one hand raised yet for salvation. That should bother us. That should bother us because there's lost people everywhere. Who are you reaching? Who are you reaching out? Well, pastor, you're the pastor. That's your job. Yes and no. (laughs) It's your job too. You reach people that I can't. You see people that I don't. God wants to use you just as much as he wants to use me. Be a lifesaver to someone this week. We want to challenge you to, to be personally responsible for leading at least 15 people this year to Christ leading them, spending time with them, walking through these steps that we talked about today. You be personally responsible for that. You be a lifesaver to someone. The same Holy Spirit that came down to those men in that upper room at Pentecost is here today calling you to Him. That same Jesus that healed that man at that pool is the same Jesus that changes your life and my life, that wants to change your life here and now, that wants to change people around you. There's people all around us, just like that man at that pool or that man at that gate called beautiful that the disciples reached out to. And they're reaching for whatever to fill the emptiness inside. They're they're reaching for whatever that can help them in their desperate moments and, and times. And they're just waiting for someone to help them. They're waiting for someone to come along and, and toss them the rope waiting they're looking and they're, and they're just waiting for someone to throw Jesus to them they're, they're, they're waiting they're like the man in the hole they're, they're just waiting nothing else is working and they're waiting for someone to throw up the roll will you be the lifesaver will you be the life changer will you be Jesus to them the people around you may never be Jesus you might be the only Jesus that they ever see or experience will you throw out the roll to someone will you be a life changer there was a movie, I'm going to close with this story. There was a movie called Schindler's List. All about World War II and the Holocaust and everything that was happening to the Jewish people during that time. And this man Schindler had a, had a business, he had a factory. And he hired Jewish people to work for him. But what he didn't realize is by hiring them, he didn't realize this at the time, but by hiring them, it actually saved them from going through that horrible time in our world's history of the Holocaust. He was just trying to up his business. He was just trying to keep his business going. But in the process, he saved so many people's lives. And think about this, not just their life, but their kids' life, and their kids' kids' life, and their kids' kids' life. See, see, we're not just about, we're not just saving people right now, but we're changing the trajectory of their entire life. We're changing their legacy. We're, we're sending a ripple effect into the future. So that now they know Christ. They'll teach their kids Christ. They'll teach others Christ. It's a multiplication situation. But this man, at some point in the process, long story short, at some point in the process, it hits him. It hits him what he's actually done. And all these people have been saved. 
And he comes to a moment, you got a picture here, this is at the end of the movie. He, this moment hits him, I think, the most. The people, they gather all their jewelry together and they forge a ring for him as a, as a token, as a sign of thanks. And this moment hits him. He's like, wait, this is two more people. This, I could hire two more people. We, we could save two more people. He, at, at this time, he's trying to get out of town because he's about to get in trouble for, for what he's done. And, and he looks at the car he's about to leave. And he's like, this car, this could be ten more people. This, you know, he starts looking at all these, this could be more people. We, we could reach more people. Can, can we have that mindset? Can we be like this person? I, I, I hope that we get into heaven with this mindset of, yeah, I've made it, but man, could, could I have reached more people? Can, can, can you go through your day every day, at the end of the day, when you go to lay down your, your pillow, your, your head on a pillow, can you have the mindset of, wow, what did I do today? Yeah, I worked, yeah, I, I had some things on my to-do list, but, but did I do anything impactful today? Did I leave the world different, or did I do something to change it? Was I Jesus to anyone today? Did I reach out to anyone? Did I miss an opportunity? Who are you reaching? Are you a lifesaver to you? Can you be a lifesaver to someone? We have to be intentional. We can't just think about it. We, we have to do it. And God wants to use you to reach those around you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? We have a time of worship here in, in just a few moments. The band is going to lead us. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to invite you up if you have any needs today. In fact, our, our prayer team, you guys can go ahead and get in place. But we're going to have a time of prayer. If you have any needs today, we're going to invite you to come. Whether that's healing or whether you just are going through something or whatever that might look like for you. We're going to invite you to come here in just a few moments to pray. But man, when I was a kid... And I was in that water, and I was caught up in that undertone, and, and I couldn't get out, and it just seemed in, impossible. I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to swim out. I was trying to, to jump up out of this current. I was, I, was, I was having to hold my breath, and I was doing all this thing in, in my own power. But someone reached in. Someone reached in the water, and they pulled me out. Someone was a lifesaver to me in that moment. Can you think of who it was today that spoke into your life? How many of you got a praying mama who's prayed for you? How many of you got a grandmama that, that prayed for you? A family member that, that prayed you? And how many of you had someone that invited you to church? Can you think of it? Who was it that spoke into your life? Who was it that encouraged you? Who was it that spoke things into your life that you didn't think were there? Who was that lifesaver for you? Who was the one that was Jesus to you? Now it's time to pay that forward. Now it's time to be life changed for someone else. Now it's time for you to be the lifesaver. And not just once, not just twice, but however many lives we can save and help through Jesus using us to reach them. However many people we can grab. I want to get to heaven worn out, busted up, tattered and bruised because we did everything that we could to see that people knew the truth to see that people had an experience with Jesus come on can you pray this morning Jesus Jesus forgive us where we failed you forgive us Lord, where we've missed moments because we were thinking of ourselves God forgive us Lord of looking past 
people and looking past things. God, for, forgive us where we've judged someone instead of prayed for them. God, for, forgive us, Lord, where we've missed the mark. Forgive us where we've missed moments and opportunities. But God, let today be a moment of repentance for us. God, let this be a day where our mindset is changed, where our heart is stirred, God, where we, we feel that passion inside of us, Lord, to reach out to those around us, God, to make sure that each and every day we are doing what we can to be a lifesaver to those around us, God. Stir our hearts. Even now, God, begin to put pictures of people in our minds. Even now, God, begin to put names of people in our heads, God. Even now, God, stir up our heart for those people. Stir our hearts up for our co-workers, God. Stir our hearts, God, for the lost. Stir our hearts for the broken. Stir our hearts for those that we look down on and think, well, they just need to get a job. Stir our hearts on, on those that don't look like us or smell like us or talk like us, God. Stir our hearts for those people, Lord. We've got a job to do, Lord. It's not just about us getting our fix. It's not just about us coming in and getting our stuff straight and saved. But God, you have work for us to do. Give us a passion, Lord, for these people. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.